Hello, PodFam, and hello, Rachel. How are you today? I am doing all right. We had a bit of a panic moment before we started this episode where my microphone was acting up. That really would have just wrapped up my day. That's been a bit nuts in just the best way if it didn't work, so thankfully it did. Uh, But otherwise, I've been good. I had a nice bowl of craft dinner this evening and was watching Tarzan, so I'm feeling pretty good. Love it. Love a good Phil Collins uh, musical practically, right? Oh, I was just having like a solo concert, just belting it out while I was cooking dinner and like eating my dinner. So it was a good time. But how are you? I'm doing good. Um, I had Alfredo tonight. I had the grown-up version of craft dinner. (laughs) Wow, I'm so happy for you. (laughs) I feel like an adult. (laughs) You're just like, wow, it's just the gourmet. It was the gourmet version. It was gourmet. And my boyfriend ate it. And as our listeners know, he turns his nose up at Kraft Dinner um, Mm -hmm. because he's Italian. But, you know, if you make him Alfredo, he's just like, this is excellent. And I'm like, yeah, it's the same same thing. (laughs) Same thing, just not orange. Well, on the on the topic of boyfriends, I thought this would give you a little bit of a laugh, but I'm by myself tonight, mm-hmm. right? Good. And I'm on my way home from the gym, and he's had a, has has already left, and he called me to say he'll see me later. And he goes, "Now, okay, so there's craft dinner <laughs> in the cupboard for you, or some ramen if you want that. There's some vegetables, and you know, there's there's some goldfish if you need a snack." And I was just like, "Am I?" your 12 year old child <laughs> that you're leaving at home tonight because he he is the cook That's in true. our house as our listeners know but I was just like wow um I mean I am gonna go make the box of craft dinner but like I have kept myself alive for a long time before I met you yeah yeah you you are capable of you know turning on the oven <laughs> yes I I indeed can um was I going to no but you know I just thought that would give you a little giggle Yes. Well, nice to know that he checked the cupboards before leaving so, you know, wouldn't starve or just order a pizza. To make sure that the 12-year-old knows that there's craft dinner in the the bottom cupboard. Yeah, that's important. Important stuff. It's very important. What are you having to drink, though, tonight? I have a ginger tea tonight. Oh, lovely. Yeah, I've been staying on the herbal, the herbal train lately. That's pretty good. I'm having yeah. a gingerbread puer tea. Oh, I had that yesterday at work. Uh, it's it's so soothing. Like it's just like a little bit of ginger, but literally like a little gingerbread cookie as well. So mm-hmm. I love it. It's just it's really rich, you know? It's nice, mm-hmm. nice evening tea. A little bit, a uh, little bit of spice. Yes, yes, exactly. Yes. But what are we going to be talking about tonight? Because this one is going to be interesting. Yeah, this is. So we've just really wanted to address i don't like it's it's a problem in society mm-hmm. but really we just kind of want to talk about like you know the evolution of it and our own thoughts what society is thinking and bring up some examples and that is of the classic power woman trope mm-hmm. you know our our three lovely ladies we're going to be talking about tonight are Corella Deville, uh, Miranda Priestly from The Devil Wears Prada and Jessica Pearson from Suits. These mm-hmm. are three power women and you know Rachel I'm going to just go out there and say it like to us they're kind of idols. Miranda Priestly is my god. Oh my god, the number of times yeah. we have quoted her mm-hmm. I don't even know. I don't every know. day. Every day. Every day. Every day and like mm-hmm. Jessica Pearson oh I just I would love to look that fierce. 
I know. Oh my god, like no. her dresses. Ugh. See, no one could pull off like a midi kind of bodycon work dress better than her. No. No, she is just like, fabulous and she is fierce. But the problem yes. with this is for a lot of these characters and you know, we're just touching on like a teeny tiny percentage of them tonight mm-hmm. because like there's there's plenty of them out in um our you know pop culture movies tv shows books but a lot of them are painted with like a negative light and Mm -hmm. it very much seems like society doesn't want us to strive to be like these women and Mm -hmm. i just i just don't think that's right because these are all very strong women and Mm -hmm. i don't see anything wrong with us trying to look to them as role models. Now, obviously within the context and the storylines, you know, yeah, there are some problematic things that we're not trying to just gloss over that, but there's so many good things about them. But society has said, you know, you shouldn't want this. Like this is a bad thing to be a powerful woman who's driven by her career. That's bad. Like do not go for this. You know, you Mm -hmm. need to stay in a very feminine classic role. So, mm-hmm. yeah, that's kind of what we're going to be talking about tonight. Yeah. And an interesting thing about this trope, too, I don't know if you found it when you were researching as well, is it falls under the realm of a lot of different female character tropes out there. So Miranda, specifically, when I was doing some more like focus research on her, she shows up under like the strong woman trope. Right. Or the independent woman trope yeah. or the dragon lady trope, et cetera. (laughs) And it all just kind of boils down to this power woman concept where it's interesting because let's use the strong woman trope, for example. So those characters are usually like, you know, Wonder Woman, right? Mm -hmm. She kind of falls under that. There are some negative traits in there, but it's usually viewed as like, wow, she's just like such a superwoman. She can do it all. And there's like positive notes in those other tropes, but when you really boil it down to this powerful businesswoman, it does become very negative in a way that the other versions of this story don't. Yeah, that's so true. It's like just at the end of the day, like, yeah, here's a really strong character, has the development behind them, has the power, can demand attention, but like, don't go for that. You know, like we're going <laughs> to- But they're a CEO. She is ulti- yeah, they? like she is ultimately a bad person because, you know- She's just gone so masculine that there's yes. there's just no room for her to be a good woman. Yes. So I think a great place to start then is the traits that we often see that, to be honest, many of them showed up in the 1950s with Cruella DeVille's first iteration mm-hmm. and continue to today. So let's get into it. I think one of the first ones that is very common is she is either a spinster yep. as Corella DeVille. She is a divorcee or on one of her multiple marriages. Right. Or she just can't keep a healthy relationship going. Yeah. You never see, you know, the overly successful career woman with also the happy relationship. There, there's probably one out there, but like I am certainly just drawing a blank right now mm-hmm. because there is um no character that just jumps right out at me and saying like oh you know what she's successful at her career and has a happy mm-hmm. relationship or is mm-hmm. is fine that she's single because you know not everyone has to be in a relationship it's always just like no i have a great career 
And on relationship sides, like I just can't get a man, keep a man, or I just like, you know, get married, they divorce me and and everything. Like there's always just that underlying tone that there is, I don't know if it's like a power struggle, mm-hmm. you know, like if, if you're a really strong female, that's going to be a turn off to men, you know, yes. like um, that's not the kind of woman that they want to be with. They want to be with a more soft-spoken and this is very passe, but like not a breadwinner. Yes. It's like the man has to be the provider and the breadwinner and not every, no, (laughs) no, it's not a requirement. (laughs) Yeah. And as this trope has evolved into more, I guess like the last decade or so, the acceptance of female leaders in media has been there. It's becoming more common and people celebrate it more. But I've noticed that usually part of their character development is essentially having to give up either their career entirely or to take a step back. Yeah. Because having a healthy relationship or having a partner is the new motivator and is something that you should give up that part of your life for in order to have this relationship. So we'll get into more of that. For later, sure. But for sure. And just yeah. to kind of like <laughs> briefly add on to that note, it's almost like the partner in that relationship won't be able to handle if you have things that are important in your life. You know, like that, that's just kind of, as you were saying it, like that was coming to my mind here of just like, mm-hmm. okay, we're in this loving relationship, but for some reason I'm not allowed to do what I love. Like that's just the message that I'm getting. And like, what? They're what? allowed to do what they love though. Yeah, that's fine. You know, they can go be the CEO and it's fine and they don't have to give up anything that, that they love to do. But for a woman, you know, she's if she wants to have a family, you know, she's got to give up the job and no, mm-hmm. <laughs> no, you can be, you can be a successful career woman and have a family as well. Because apparently no female CEO ever had children. Yeah, apparently not. Mm-hmm. I was unaware of this fact, but you know, this is what movies and t- television tells us. <laughs> yes. All right. So next trait that usually comes up, what do you think? kind of want to jump off the the no relationship and it, it is that sense where like they're always independent they're and they're kind of that loner you know you never yeah. actually see them with any friends mm-hmm. around them um it's very much just them on their own because you know they're so all consumed with their job that they couldn't mm-hmm. possibly have any friends right mm-hmm. like that's just that's just stupid <laughs> I feel like I'm going to say that all night. They don't it's have just time stupid. for anything, obviously. <laughs> no, like they, they create them just so one-dimensional that if, you know, okay, you're going to have a career, well, goodbye relationship, goodbye friendships, mm-hmm. goodbye children. And that's just that's just another common trait that I see in, in pretty much like all of the women that we're going to mm-hmm. be discussing tonight and just, you know, the other ones that fall into this trope. You never see them with friends, really. Or their friends are in their workplace. Yeah. And usually those are uh, kind of not imbalanced. They're, yeah, no, they're no, rocky it's, friendships. It, yeah, like it, it's imbalanced. Yeah, it, it's yeah. an imbalanced like power relationship. Mm-hmm. You know, like they're kind of work friends, but deep down, like it's not like really a true friendship. It's more like, oh, you're my boss and like mm-hmm. you're my coworker kind of thing, right? Like it, it doesn't really ever paint anything that's like truly deep and like that's a person that mm-hmm. they can rely on. It's just like, well, we talk because we work together. Miranda and Nigel. Exactly. Yes. Speaking of Miranda, another trait that I think is very common is that the power woman usually maintains complete control of her working environment Mm -hmm. and 
is a perfectionist at heart and demands that of the world around them, which mm, I, I think that's become, that is very apparent in Miranda's character, as we'll talk about later. Yeah. But I feel like this expectation of a female boss demands perfection of everything. Yeah, like they, they can't get anything wrong, right? Like, Well, they can't. They can't, but also they put that expectation on their employees. Right. From, you know, the stock person to their vice president. And it's almost creates this picture that the environment that a power woman creates is uncomfortable. And extremely toxic, you know, like that's what they yeah. kind of presented. It was like, okay, if this is the woman in power, it's going to be a toxic workplace. Right? Yeah. Like you're going to be panicking. Like, you know, the opening scene of Devil Wears Prada when Miranda Priestly is coming into the office. Yeah. Like that. Yeah. That is what it must be like to work with them. And I just, I just don't think that's true. No, it's not you know? true. Like I've, I've had the same problem with male bosses, you know, it's exactly, it's not a woman thing. It's, it's really just an individual person thing because then I've had bosses who are female and very like they, they create a wonderful work mm -hmm. environment that you feel strong as a, as a female worker and, and just as a team, like the team is very cohesive and, and very understanding of each other. Yeah. You know, and movies and TV when a male boss demands high quality work from their employees, it's not viewed with this perfectionist standard of, oh, it must be toxic to work for them. It's just a workplace. Yeah. Like to, to that, if like, oh, if your boss expects something of you and he's a man, it's just like, oh, that's so empowering. I'm so inspired mm -hmm. to do well. Where in the female role, it's just like, I am terrified. This is like a devil of a woman. And she's an awful yeah. person, right? Mm -hmm. Just because she has to present traditionally masculine traits yeah, in the workplace, which goes against how we are conditioned. Another one that was interesting as I was looking into this is specifically with like 1950s to 1990s range, the consideration around vanity mm -hmm. as a trait. Yes. Which I found was very interesting where it's almost that vanity is presented as bad, okay. especially yeah. when it comes to Corella DeVille. Yes. So do you have any thoughts on that? Well, I think I think that's more going back to someone who is vain being a bad trait, mm -hmm. right? So in these roles where they're trying to paint that successful person as, as a bad person, they're going to pull more on what is it like the seven deadly sins kind of thing and yeah. like being vain and, and self-absorbed is is one of them so it's like they just mm -hmm. amplify any of those traits because mm -hmm. as like a society we default to like that's a bad thing right so then yes. we without um there being any narrative needed or words spoken we already know as an audience that like oh, okay like she seems really self-absorbed um mm -hmm. that's bad Okay, so like, yeah. like already, I, you know, the characters haven't even said anything, and I already know like that person's good and that person's bad. Devil Wears Prada, another great example in that opening scene where all those women are getting ready, and you know, mm -hmm. it's all about the the vanity and how they look. Where Andy like literally rolls out of bed and then like walks to her job interview, and her hair is a mess, and like we're like, oh, she's like the fun, lovable, dorky character, but all those women she's who are going girl. to work, they're they're vain. Like, mm -hmm. they must be awful. No, I agree with everything that you said there. And it's a very interesting thing to put onto women. Another example of this is 
Elle Woods at the beginning of Legally Blonde. Right. Is her vanity and, you know, her liking how she looks and stuff is a trait that's put on her like, oh, well, she's not very smart then. Yeah. Yeah. Depending on the character and depending on the storyline of what the writers are trying to put out there, it's either viewed as vanity makes you a villain or vanity makes you dumb. Yeah. You just, you can't be a good character and care about how you look you know apparently not yeah so like kind of what what the message here unless you're a housewife yeah oh if you're a housewife then like you have to look good because that's for someone else right that's not for you what what was that show mad men yeah mad men yeah that's a good example of that yeah exactly like oh i get done up every morning before my husband gets up because god forbid he sees me with my hair curlers in (laughs) right and but that's that's going back to like those women it's fine if they're dressed up and looking nice because that's for their husbands where all these career women they're getting dressed up like for themselves so that's bad yes yeah so kind of like to round out these common traits here you know they're independent they're successful but it's at a huge cost they have no work-life balance overall they're just like their whole uh persona is just being a bitch because Mm -hmm. god forbid a career woman is a nice person Mm -hmm. that's too big of a concept and it's just like it just paints this whole cautionary tale right yes Without even saying anything on the screen, it's just like, this is not what you should strive for. Yes, you should not stray from the traditional feminine and familial values. Exactly. Because if you do, then you're selfish. Yeah, you're going to wind up alone. That's that's really what they're telling you. <laughs> yes, which um, not great, but we'll get into that more, starting with Cruella. Yes. Oh, so Cruella, she yes. is a character who has... A really interesting evolution. And she was kind of actually Mm -hmm. a bit of the inspiration a long time ago when we wanted to address this topic because she's been portrayed in the 1950s, the 90s, and now most recently. And it really did open up my eyes because society has changed. It's come a long way. You know, I know we're kind of shitting on it tonight, but like overall, there's been a lot of change to how female characters are portrayed. So Mm -hmm. let's first talk about the 1950s Cruella DeVille. She was essentially a spinster and a socialite. So she just kind of either inherited her money or married into it, but like was divorced or like it's kind of, it's not really clearly explained, but she really does portray that spinster life where, Mm -hmm. you know, she doesn't want to be married or was married and yeah, she doesn't have a man. So that's automatically bad. She doesn't have family. Yeah. That's two strikes now. And then, of course, how Disney movies portray things. Mm-hmm. If if there's green smoke or just a green tinge, <laughs> you are evil. <laughs> so, again, going back to just that imagery without even having to have the character say anything, we already know that mm-hmm. that's a bad thing. So, like, as we're watching these movies as children, that's what we associate it with. And mm-hmm. I don't want to say it's like programming, but it's it's very much reinforcing that this is a person you should not want to strive to be. Yes. Cruella de Vil, especially in that earlier adaptation, is presented as like the baddest of the bad. Oh, yes. Of Disney villains. Like everyone knows her name. I'm pretty sure she's like somewhere on a top 50s list of bad villains. Yes. But when you contrast her with like Scar from The Lion King, she's really not as bad of a villain the trying to make a coat out of puppies aside she really had like nothing else that was like a crime against humanity except for the fact Mm -hmm. that she was single 
you know yes that was really her one thing besides like you know okay the story the plot driven story that made her bad but for some reason it's just so much worse because she's that Mm -hmm. spinster yes especially in a story about the nuclear family ah yes because she did not have the husband and the 2.5 children which in the 1950s that was pretty much what women were supposed to strive for because like yes there were women in the workforce but Mm -hmm. really like that was not so much the norm so that's kind of when we jump forward to the 1990s version of Cruella you know We've gone through the 60s, 70s, and 80s where women are strongly in the workforce now and kind of climbing the corporate ladder. Mm-hmm. However, she's now painted as a cold businesswoman because now she's so successful. And we're falling back to those common traits where you discussed where she d- she's against marriage. Mm-hmm. And it, for even that time, you know, we were born in the 90s. It was fine for a woman to have the job. You know, we were very much used to a dual income household but Mm -hmm. it was still expected that you know the plan was you get married and you have children yep and there are a lot of things that she says to anita especially in the opening Mm -hmm. of the live adaptation that you know she she was making some good valid points yep but it was still presented as villainous because in society at that time female leaders were becoming more normalized but it still was not fully accepted as something that a woman should strive for. And it was something that you should avoid. Exactly. And the quote that we're talking about is that more women have been lost to marriage (laughs) than war and famine combined. And the funny thing is, so the funny thing is, I I know that in that time frame, and that honestly went over my head when I was a kid watching this movie, that Mm -hmm. it was painted in a bad light. But then when I was watching like the evolution of Cruella, and they brought this quote up and I was just like, man, what a powerful quote. <laughs> like, She's making a valid point. Oh my God. It's so funny that like adult me in 2020 like took that as just like, that is so true. Like mm-hmm. <laughs> it's so funny. Mm-hmm. So I feel like some of the things that were portrayed as being bad and even now, like if I were to go back and watch that movie, like, yes, okay, there's the the awful plot driven story of Cruella. But really, Mm -hmm. like if you took that part away, she's this like CEO fashion designer who is very good at her job, right? Yeah. Like (laughs) – And she sees talent in Anita. Yeah. And is like, don't squander it. I know. She's literally like, you have so much talent. I want to help you succeed. Mm -hmm. The movie is just like, no, no. She needs to quit her job and become a mother (laughs) and get married. Yes. Like – uh. It's such an interesting – that movie, uh, because I was the same, because I think I was probably like four years old when this came out, so it definitely went right over my head. But it's very interesting because it's literally presented that being a successful female leader in the business world is the cautionary tale. It is. It's just like, kids, we know that this exists, but no, 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 no. Yeah, like it's, no, no, no. it's fine if you have your cute little job, but like don't overreach. Okay. Once once you meet the man you're going to marry, you should quit yeah. right away. Yeah, you should you should quit or like, you know, back off. Don't don't strive for too much in the in the career world. 
<laughs> yes. So going off of this, before we jump into lovely Miranda, mm-hmm. did you want to touch on the 2021 version of Cruella? Because I know that you've seen it. I personally have not, but I would love to hear your thoughts on where she is today. Yeah. So I, you know, I saw the the most recent Cruella movie and I actually quite enjoyed it. Like I know everyone had mixed reviews, but something Disney has been doing lately is going back and addressing the stories of these villains. And I think this was just so well done for giving her a backstory and a Mm -hmm. reason to why she became who she became. And, Mm -hmm. you know, they took away the, the awful thing of like, oh, she wanted to kill the puppies. (laughs) to make a coat. Yeah. No, she actually loves the Dalmatians and and just takes them in there like her guard dogs. So I love that they changed that narrative, but mm-hmm. it was still like they kind of they made her someone who you wanted to root for, which yeah. I loved. You know, like mm-hmm. she was literally scrubbing toilets in a department store, but just wanted to design and mm-hmm. create all these amazing clothes. So mm-hmm. I kind of love that they they gave her reasons for becoming who she wanted to become. And, you know, still we could argue that her boss, who was like the major fashion designer, was kind of like the Miranda Priestley. So we still yeah. kind of had that, you know, career woman trope, unfortunately. But yeah. at least, you know, we made, we made a little bit of progress here, <laughs> giving her, you know, um, something to root for. Which yeah. which I really enjoyed. So I don't want to spoil it for anyone. So definitely go watch that movie and let us know. But um, I just love that we kind of had a successful woman who who you mm-hmm. cheered for at the end. Yeah. Even though it was kind of at the expense of another successful woman. Baby steps, guys. Baby steps. Baby We're steps. getting there. You know, if that was a man. Ooh, if they made it like a man CEO mm-hmm. and that's who she took down. Oh, that's, that's actually yeah. – Come on, Disney. That's actually how you should have done it. Now I'm thinking about it. Like, <laughs> remake it. Yeah, of course. <laughs> they put successful woman against successful woman because, you know, there can only be one. Mm-hmm. There's no room for two women to be successful. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> We're still there, I guess. Yeah, right. Okay. So, you know, like we said, baby steps. We're getting a baby little steps. bit further, but at least now there's like a bit of acknowledgement. It's not perfect. But mm-hmm. we're doing better than the 1950s Cruella Deville. Yes. So yes, at least we have Cruella to work to root for now. Exactly. Not so much her boss, but Cruella, she good. <laughs> yes, she's good. All right. So let's fast forward to 2006 now, when the Devil Wears Prada came out with Miranda Priestley, who is like I'm going to say it, one of our idols. She's absolutely in incredible and um definitely have been andy before oh, in yes. my life oh yes but i like to think that i'm slowly you know taking on the best of miranda's traits oh yes in my career so let's dive into her character because she is very interesting because i'm not sure how old exactly she was supposed to be like i'm kind of gonna say like 45 to 55 range would you say yeah, I would say she was a woman in her 50s. I would say she's in her 50s. Like, yeah. I know she has her two girls who look like preteen yeah. age. Um, but because, you know, she's a career woman, she she probably had children later on. So mm-hmm. I'm going to say, you know, she was in her 50s. Yes. Something about Miranda that's very interesting is that with her age, 
she would have been getting into the fashion industry at the time where it was almost entirely male-dominated in leadership positions. I mean, that's still that way in a lot of industries today. Mm -hmm. But she really was in that generation where female leaders had to take on traditionally masculine traits to get to the same place. Yeah. Right? Exactly. So going back to the original traits that we presented at the beginning of the show, you know, she's the perfectionist. She wants everything to you know, be working smoothly. Everything needs to be efficient from somebody having their shoelace tied to some big business decision. It all has to be perfect around her. Right. But, you know, there's also some really great traits about her that watching now I see like she's incredibly detailed. Mm -hmm. She's incredibly resourceful and she really emphasizes excellence in herself and her workers. Right. Right. But it was 2006 and she still was the villain. Yep. And <laughs> why do you think that was? Oh, I just think, you know, it it was portraying Miranda as someone who was almost like so masculine yep. that she left behind all her femininity, like yeah. with the exception of her her great sense of fashion, which is and then is vain, as we discussed earlier. That is a bad thing. But yeah, we're just automatically positioned to root for Andy mm-hmm. against Miranda. And I kind of want to talk mm-hmm. about her relationship a little bit. So going back to where she has such a successful career, so she can't possibly have a happy marriage, right? Yes. Because in the movie she says, you know, another divorce, right? Like, so she's obviously been married several times and it's just like, hey, I'm going to get divorced again. It's going to be all over the tabloids. Like people are just going to attack me because I'm like, they literally call her the the snow queen, uh, the dragon lady, the devil. She just has no room to be good at her job and Mm -hmm. be a good wife, right? Because like, no, everything she has built, that Mm -hmm. is at the sacrifice of everything else in her life, which just isn't fair. And it's not true right like as we've been saying all night like this is not really reality but this is kind of Mm -hmm. how society portrays about this is what's going to happen if if you try to be so successful Mm -hmm. with your job and then Andy is kind of like her protege you know Miranda says that she sees herself in Andy when she was younger Mm -hmm. and um as Andy starts to kind of find herself and actually just be good at her job Like literally Andy Mm -hmm. went from being shitty at her job to good at it. Mm -hmm. And then that is when her boyfriend, Nate, decided to be like, you know what? We need a break, right? (sighs) Like you're just spending so much time with your work. You have no time for me. Um, Mm -hmm. Nate is the devil, guys. Like he is the the true villain of this movie because I'm sorry, you shouldn't have to give up your job just to make your boyfriend happy. No. Um, Yeah. Love how the discourse has shifted since this movie came out to be like- Nuh-uh. Same. We all root for Miranda and we're just mm -hmm. like, fuck you, Nate. (laughs) You're you're the terrible person. You are the toxic one. Yes. So something that I find very interesting though about her relationship with Andy. So like we talked about earlier, these women are supposed to essentially act as a cautionary tale. Right. Right. And there's Miranda and there's Andy on the other side, the traditional good girl. Mm -hmm. But it's 2006. We've kind of left the 101 Dalmatians expectation of women, you know, from the 50s. It was, you're not working. It's usually about the nuclear family. Moving into the 90s version where, you know, she had her little job, but once she got married, she, you know, she should leave. Yeah. Right? Where with Andy, 
we're moving into that time in the early 2000s where, you know, women can be married and also work. Mm -hmm. Yes. Right? That's a normalized thing. But with Miranda, she has kind of rejected that whole realm of, you know, focusing on family. She is mostly focused on work. Mm -hmm. And she has this sense of perfection. But we villainize that perfectionism, right? right? But at the end of the movie with Andy, she's given up her job with Miranda, but she is moving on with being a journalist. True. She is moving forward in her career. But there is also this like aftertaste in the movie that, you know, she's most likely going to get back together with Nate. So she's going to have the job and the boyfriend. Mm -hmm. And I just have to jump in here real quick because like, yes, it's kind of left that they're going to be back together again. But then why mm -hmm. is it okay that Nate is like moving to another city for a job? Don't get me started. We need to just do a whole episode on Nate because <laughs> gonna... I could yell at him. <laughs> Um, <laughs> the issue with Nate. That's just going to be the episode. Um, yes. Yeah, because it it just kind of does that whole flip to the audience of just like, okay, you know, Andy's no longer working for Miranda, but she, you know, she's got a she's got a good job, and now she can like get the boyfriend back. But never mind. Um, it's fine if Nate puts his career first and moves to a different city, mm -hmm. right? Like, oh. yes. <laughs> And like it was kind of oh. left with the note because I don't okay I don't remember what city he moved to was it Seattle or something I think it was like Chicago Chicago uh, yeah I think it was Chicago somewhere close but not close enough yeah and the and the line that's coming up is like Andy saying like oh I'm gonna miss your I don't know late night waffles or something like that I think it's like grilled cheese because it grilled cheese late okay grilled cheese oh, yes yes you're doing way better than I am here. Um, mm -hmm. I've watched that movie many times. I hate Nate. <laughs> I know. Oh, and it's just like, oh, she's like, I'm going to miss your late night grilled cheese. And he's like, well, I'm pretty sure we can have grilled cheese in Chicago. So like, what is Andy now supposed to uproot her life to For go you? live in Chicago with Nate? Like, oh, what a loss. Yes. Like that just throws away everything we work towards. And honestly, at the same time, too, like, Andy really only had to work for Miranda for a year. Yeah. And he couldn't handle he it. He couldn't deal. Like, that's kind of how your big first corporate job goes. Yeah, you're kind of the, the yes. bottom rung, right? Shit rolls downhill. Yes. But um, going back to kind of Andy at the end having the boyfriend and the job, right? Okay. It's almost emphasizing that at the end, Andy is capable of having it all. Right. Right? Like she not, – not having it all as in she's the CEO of Runway at the end. She's not. But she in some way does have it all. But is that not just promoting another sense of perfectionism for women? Mm -hmm. That they have to be in perfect balance in order to be defined as the good character, you know? Yeah. She has to find a way to balance her work and her boyfriend perfectly. Or, you know, spend more time with the boyfriend, less on the work. And are we supposed to expect – at the end of the movie that Andy has just figured out this whole work-life balance thing. Like, she's still in corporate journalism. <laughs> like, is she not going to work long hours anymore? Yeah, and just kind of going off of your point there, it's almost just like the happy ending is when you do have that perfect balance. Where, you know what? We've done episodes on this before. It's never a perfect balance. And also, nope. it's okay to not mm -hmm. want the relationship. And if you're listening to this and it's totally okay not to want the successful career, all right? Like mm -hmm. you don't have to have it all. And mm -hmm. it's just how movies are portraying this. And I just had to, mm -hmm. I have to slip in one more point 
about Andy's new job because I have no chill anymore for this movie. Um, <laughs> she now works for a man and the environment was very calm. Was that an underlying? No, why did you just do that to I'm me? I'm sorry. It came up. It came up as we were like talking about it. And I just kind of put that together where she now has a male boss and he mm-hmm. seems really chill. And also the environment she's working in seems really chill, which like journalism, no, that's no chill. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. So it just like kind of said like, oh, you know what? Under a male boss, you know, you'll be able to have this work balance. And speaking of the male bosses. So a big common theme with Miranda is that often her business decisions are viewed as betrayals. Right. So the big one, which I, I do think is a bit of like, I do agree it was a bit of a betrayal, but where she's about to get kicked out mm-hmm. of runway for Jacqueline. Mm-hmm. Uh, so essentially she gives her the job that Nigel was going to get. Yes. Right? That That is a betrayal. But another one that she pinpoints is when she's in the car with Andy at the end where Andy's like, I would never do that. And she turns and looks at her and she's like, well, you already did to Emily. Right. And it's just like, okay, Miranda needed somebody to go <laughs> to Paris with her. Mm-hmm. Emily could not go anywhere. Yeah. She was in a hospital, which, you know, it's still like I probably would have been upset in Emily's shoes as well. Mm -hmm. But say you had two male assistants and one of them couldn't go, most likely the other one would be like, well, I guess I have to do it. Yeah. Because this person can't go. And it wouldn't have been looked at as a betrayal of trust. Yeah. Everything's just portrayed of like, oh, that's like conniving. That's backstabbing every decision. Mm Mm-hmm. That they make. And um, just as we are kind of talking about Jacqueline, um, how you brought up Miranda's age at the beginning, mm-hmm. you know, her problem is that she's an older woman, God forbid. God forbid a woman yeah. ages. And I know you kind of wanted to, to brush on that a little bit. Yeah. Similar to how Corella was evil because she was single. Right. That was like her biggest crime against, uh, well, I mean, one of her... <laughs> biggest crimes against humanity after the main one but you know what i'm trying to say yes we're just ignoring like the plot points for the moment just addressing the people yes that um that whole plot of 101 dalmatians makes me cry to this day (laughs) but other than that that was her crime yeah but with miranda her crime and why she was kind of starting to be pushed out of her career a little bit she was just, she was literally getting old. And they literally say that in the movie. They say that. It's just like, oh, well, she can't be hip. Like, she can't know what's in style or be prepared for these kind of things. It's just like, you know what? There's like 80-year-old men leading massive corporations. I know. No one's saying they're and too old. They're like, oh, yeah, they're no experienced. <laughs> like, Yeah, no one is kicking them out or being like, you know, I don't think he understands what is going to be hip. Like, So that's really all I have to say about that is just her crimes were her perfectionism and control and the fact that she was getting older. Yeah. Yeah. Essentially, like, don't be a woman and God forbid, don't be an old woman. (laughs) Like, that's that's really the (laughs) takeaway. That is. Um, So let's move on to our last character. Um, This is Jessica Pearson from the TV show Suits that came out in 2011. Jessica Pearson, another one who is my idol. Like Mm -hmm. what just a strong presence because this is someone- Followed closely by Donna. Yeah, Donna. Donna is also awesome. She's so good. Yeah, if you guys haven't watched Suits, highly recommend. It's a great show. Mm-hmm. Also filmed mm-hmm. in Toronto. <laughs> My mom thinks her car is in the background of one of the shots. 
Nice. I'm pretty sure I've been walking yeah. to school before and like <laughs> – You're like Harvey Specter? I know, right? I know exactly <laughs> where the building is, where they shoot it. Um, mm-hmm. Anyway, so this is a woman who is the managing partner of a law firm and one of the most successful yes. law firms in New York City. And, you know, very clearly, this is a male-dominated world. You know, they yes. they don't – they have their female characters in there, but Jessica really is the only one who is of that top-level CEO, like has made it and – I think she's the only female partner entirely in – yeah. that firm yeah as well, well in the, the yeah, beginning in that firm least. like like yes there are other female characters but they're all much lower down mm-hmm. on like the career scale like jessica's in all these mm-hmm. boardrooms that are full of men you know there's mm-hmm. there's never really that like partnering female lead who is also in a high level position especially who is like a main character mm-hmm. so it's very clear like she's very good at what she does but she she had to like fight her way to the top mm-hmm. and she has to mm-hmm. continue to fight to stay at the top yeah. and it's it's very much like her way of fighting wasn't always clean right like she had to fight dirty yes. sometimes mm-hmm. and um just underlying it just seems like again you know, that woman who wants to get to the top has to be conniving and backstabbing and do things that really all the male characters were doing as well to get mm-hmm. to the top. But for uh, the female character, it's just like that's highlighted. And then mm-hmm. that's always what, like that's the thing that comes back to haunt them, right? Mm-hmm. Like they're just like, well, we have all this dirt on you. It's just like you guys all did the exact same thing to become the managing partner. It's like you're still doing it right now. Yeah, you're still <laughs> doing it. Yeah, it's always Jessica's character. It's just like you know, her end, her exit from the show was mm-hmm. literally her being like, okay, I'm being disbarred in New York. I'm going to leave New York. <laughs> right? Like, you know, we're like, there's all these other people doing awful things and they're fine. Like they stay as a lawyer mm-hmm. and, or doing what they're doing. Yes. And she is one of the ones where, you know, we've kind of, we've gotten to the point in, I guess, media history where, you know, female leaders are very well accepted. Mm-hmm. She's not villainized as much as Miranda is. No, no, she's not like she is not a bad character at all, yes. right? Like and like she's a tough character, yeah. but everybody respects her. They're not afraid. They're not afraid of her in the way where they're like where it's like Miranda Priestly. No, I'm no, like no one is like quaking in their boots when she walks in the door. Yes. Like you can tell that she's just commanding respect, but it's like it's an earned mm-hmm respect, right? It's not out of fear. Yes. But tying this back to the beginning about how a common trait with all of these characters we're talking about today is the lack of a stable relationship. Yes. A common theme almost through, I don't even, like, majority of her seasons is there's usually a relationship off to the side Mm -hmm. that is trying to pull her away from that position. And again, it's usually a very successful man. Mm Mm-hmm. But he's like, you know, just maybe take a step back. Exactly. You know, maybe bring on another partner or give more leadership to people underneath you. But she's not asking him to do that. No, not at all. And like, just I want to throw this in as well. She is also a divorcee. Yep. She has she an is. ex-husband. <laughs> and <laughs> like, God forbid a, married, a woman gets married once, right? Like if she- if she's powerful. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, like she's got an ex-husband. I know she has like the the ultimate boyfriend who she moves to, I believe, DC with 
at the end after she's disbarred. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. I know throughout the series, he was just like, oh, I want to be with you, but like, I can't be with this corporate CEO you, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah, he's the one I'm talking about. Yeah, exactly. So it's just like, again, she can't have her career and and a relationship. Mm -hmm. And so it's just those, it's just those little like hidden underlying notes that stories have. And I think it really just does like seep into society's expectations. Yeah. Shall we discuss our impression of societal expectations now? Or do we have anything left to say about Jessica? Uh, I think that's all for Jessica. We don't have a whole lot because Mm -hmm. she is a little bit more of a modern character. Yeah. So yeah, I just really believe that for all females, there's just this underlying tone that you need to give up your friends and your relationships Mm -hmm. and your family to be successful. Mm -hmm. And that's just not true. Yeah, I agree with that. And, you know, I still think, you know, having the friends and the relationship and the family are presented as the things that you need to strive for. So even though it might not be as in your face as, you know, the original Corella DeVille and the original 101 Dalmatians or even with Miranda, it is subliminal messaging that if you're choosing that path, you're giving up joys of life. Yeah. And you shouldn't want to do that because you should be wanting the other things. Exactly. The more traditional female role. Yeah, exactly. And it's such a double-edged sword because, mm-hmm. you know, the the good characters always have it all and they make it yeah. seem like that is the end game when really, mm-hmm. like, if you don't want any of that stuff, that's fine. Like, yep. if you just want your career and you that makes you happy and, like, fulfills you – awesome, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Like we shouldn't be villainized to think that like we do need to have it all because mm-hmm. so many women don't want that, right? Like mm-hmm. this again is just what society is telling us we should we should want and have. Yes. And kind of speaking of another double-edged sword there is there's almost a unintentional result with a um, more modern, even after Jessica Pearson of modern day career women It's almost an unintentional result where, you know, even though they're presented in a very positive light, they either are very dramatized, like, I don't need a man, Mm -hmm. or dramatized in, I'm at the office 24-7. Yeah. But it's almost like a cartoon caricature Mm -hmm. of that. Yep. So it's very difficult. It is. It's so difficult. And like, my parting thoughts here are, you know, don't be afraid of success and mm-hmm. whatever that success is to you. It does not have to be career. I know that's what we talked about this evening, but really mm-hmm. you can insert whatever because mm-hmm. it it is possible to have your version of having it all. There is no set standard of what that is. It's you just taking the things in your life that are important to you mm-hmm. and that is your all right? It's going to look so different from your friends and your family. Like Rachel, you and I, we have different versions of having it all, mm-hmm. right? Because we're not the same person, right? We don't mm-hmm. we don't live the same life. We have mm-hmm. our own interests, our own passions, and our, we have different varying um, like percentages of allocating mm-hmm. these these things in our lives, right? So I just Mm -hmm. hope that media can start to paint those kinds of characters that really do resemble what life should be and not them just telling women like, this is what you need or else you're, Mm -hmm. you're literally the devil. 
Like you're just literally the devil if you don't want what the rest of society tells you. So yeah, that's kind of like my parting thought. You know, you don't have to be a bitch to be powerful. I know Mm -hmm. a lot of powerful women who are lovely people. (laughs) And um, my last thing would be like the song, The Man by Taylor Swift was coming to mind a lot. Mm-hmm. where it really was that double standard of men and women. And I know we didn't really talk a whole lot about that tonight. It's another hour. Oh, that's another content. hour one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's part two. Um, yes. Where it's it's just how the world reacts to a man. Like if a man and a woman are doing the exact same thing, they will get two completely different reactions from the people around them. Mm-hmm. And I th- always thought like the man was like the perfect <laughs> – way of explaining that Mm -hmm. yeah so that's that's all I kind of have to say Rachel what are what are your parting thoughts well you really summarized mine fantastically so my parting thought is Nate is the real villain of the Devil Wears Prada he is and I wanted to make sure that we made that point one more time absolutely we're gonna (laughs) we will legit have an hour-long conversation of why we hate Nate (laughs) he is a horrible boyfriend he is he is. He doesn't want the best for Andy, who is a great girl, and mm-hmm. she should not be afraid to have her her great job that she has worked so hard for. Exactly. Yeah. Another parting thought is that it's okay. We don't have to be perfect, mm-hmm. even though society has wanted to tell us that since day one. Exactly. Exactly. So we are just people. Yeah. So we hope that you enjoyed this episode. Might have been mm-hmm. a little over over the place, a little heated at times, but. These are Definitely things that are heated. Yeah, these are things that have just been on our mind. So we really had to get them out. And mm-hmm. if you enjoy this show, please leave it a five star review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and any other platform that you mm-hmm. are listening to us on. And mm-hmm. if you feel called to, make sure you share this episode with friends or family and definitely check out some of our other episodes that we have. They're all all pretty good in our opinion and uh yeah all geniuses uh, <laughs> let's not go that far um <laughs> we're intelligent enough um we are averagely smart <laughs> yeah <laughs> go us um go definitely check out our instagram the tea with laura and rachel so live like tea live like tea <laughs>